0: What a wild weekend of football. I don't think any defense was played at all this past weekend. Some games like the Saints and the Dolphins who they actually showed up. But when you have a practice quad quarterback converted to wide receiver back to quarterback who hasn't played a single snap of QB since college, I would be surprised if you didn't win. This is week 13 of the NFL. You're listening to the Pigskin Podcast. Welcome. To the Pigskin Podcast. Ball in the air, and it's intercepted. A weekly podcast about all things football on his first throw. and only football. Every week, we'll go in depth about each team and deliver the best hard hitting topics. Touchdown! Now, here's your host, Andrew Walker. Hey, everyone, welcome back to the Pigskin Podcast. I am Drew, joined alongside with Dan, as always. Hello, everyone. This is episode or week 13 of the National Football League. We're going to start out with some NFL news that's going on. Some that have broke recently, some that are still developing. I think the most shocking right now would probably be actually not shocking to Daniel, but Matt Patricia and Bob Quinn getting fired. Daniel's been waiting for this one for a very long time. In fact, it's been a long time coming, but Maddie Patty, I'm sorry but you have overstayed your welcome in the Motor City. Everybody knew this was coming. Based on the performance that they they had on Thanksgiving Day, rightfully so, he should have been fired. Now, I think me personally, in my, my opinion, from the very start, he shouldn't have been hired in the first place. The reason being, no player, current player there, wanted him there. There are people in the organization, even fans, they did not want Matt Patricia there because they know just like anybody else, Bill Belichick's coaching tree has never been successful. And you could talk about maybe Mike Vrabel, but he was never a coach under Bill Belichick, just a player. Whoever coaches under Bill Belichick and goes and does their own thing has never been successful. Brian Flores right now is still a little premature, even though we think he's trending in the right direction. They just came off a win against the Jets but I think it was the right time for them to finally let Matt Patricia and Bob Quinn go, because I don't think Bob Quinn was a great general manager to begin with. Whoever comes in next is going to have some good, solid pieces. You don't think that Bill O'Brien, at least in the beginning of his tenure in Houston was good. I think in the beginning, Bill O'Brien was the right choice in Houston, but with Bill O'Brien, a lot of players lost tremendous respect for him. Nobody in that organization wanted to play for him the fact that Houston, even the higher-ups, gave him an opportunity to be head coach and general manager, that has never bode well in the NFL for most teams with the exclusion of Bill Belichick and with the firing of Bill O'Brien. I'm curious if teams will kind of step back a little bit and look at the situation with the lack of success from the Bill Belichick tree, coaching tree. And you've addressed this a couple of weeks ago. Bill Belichick isn't concerned about whether his protégés are successful or not. But I'm wondering if teams will kind of sidestep that now when they're looking at a coaching position or a personnel decision in their front office and step back and look and figure out, is that the right move to make? The most successful person to come from Bill Belichick has been a former player with Mike Vrabel. I would be more keen to look at maybe the Andrew Reid coaching tree than the Bill Belichick. I wouldn't even look at that based well, off of Matt Nagy and Doug Peterson. Well, Doug Peterson has a Super Bowl. It's true. Got one before Andy Reid. Yeah. People, the the problem is organizations are trying to get the Patriot way. They're trying to replicate what's happened of 20 years of success in New England with Tom Brady. They're trying to replicate that. You can't do that. Lightning's not going to strike twice in the NFL because it is evolving. Players are getting better. Coaches are getting smarter. Teams are having to adjust more than ever. You're not going to be able to create the same success as they did in New England. I don't like when teams are automatically on board with what Bill Belichick has been able to do as far as players or coaches that have been under him. Why don't you just go out and hire the best person or best coach or whatever, for your team, for your organization. Stop trying to replicate what other teams are, are, have has worked for them. And it might not necessarily work for you guys. Well, when you're talking about unconventional coaches and about, you were talking about finding the best fit for the team. I'm looking at the unconventional way of finding a head coach. And we've seen that by going to the college level. Matt Rule was hired by Carolina this past year who brought an offensive coordinator along who was also from the college level. Prior to that, it was Cliff Kingsbury. And I'm thinking off the top of my head, Nick Saban was probably the last one to come from the college level and coach at the pro level. And if Matt Rule is successful, Cliff has already proven his success. Could we see teams go directly to the college level rather than looking at coordinator positions or position coaches in an effort to be successful. Because at the end of the day, who cares where the head coach came from? If they do have a winning record, they get you to the Super Bowl and you win that Super Bowl. We as fans can all agree that we don't care what your pedigree is or your resume. As long as you get us the Lombardi trophy, that's what matters most. And you can see that up in green Bay with Matt LaFleur. You see with Sean McVay, Kyle Shanahan, you have these, young offensive-minded coaches who may took an unconventional route. I mean, they, they were all over the league before they, they ended up with their head coaching jobs, but there's a lot of skepticism entering you know their first season as head coaches. Are they going to be the answer? I think all three of them are the answer, especially Matt LaFleur. Matt LaFleur right now is building a great relationship with Aaron Rodgers, which a lot of people said last year was going to be a question mark. Well, guess what? They have a better relationship than Tom Brady and Bruce Arians. Speaking of Tom Brady and Bruce Arians, I know that they they try and play cordial with each other when the media talks about there's a riff, there's tension between the two of them, and they try and downplay that. You addressed it a couple weeks ago with Bruce Arians and how quick he is to throw Tom Brady under the bus. This past week in their performance against the Chiefs is evident of the fact that there is something wrong in Tampa Bay. And for all the people who picked him before the season started to win the Super Bowl, you don't win Super Bowls in August. The next individual to be cut short, David Caldwell, general manager in Jacksonville. Dana and I both agree this is the wrong person to be fired. I was when I saw that come across the wire that he had been fired. I'm like, they got the wrong person. That's the wrong name. The name should have been Doug Marone. And honestly, I don't. I think why he wasn't fired is because his performance against Cleveland. Well, not his, but his coaching performance. I picked Jacksonville last week and I'm sure that there are some listeners out there who are like, Andrew's stupid for picking Jacksonville. Well, guess what? They went for two at the end of the game. They didn't convert, but if they did, they, t- they would have tied the game up. Mm-hmm. The problem with Cleveland is they play down to their opponents, probably more than any team in the NFL. Are they going to be able to play at a high level when they play Tennessee this week? Doug Marone is not the answer in Jacksonville fans in the AFC South want him there, but he's not, he's not able to produce anything going forward. Get that experiment over, get a new head coach. As Daniel suggested, maybe someone in college, get him up there. You have a load of draft picks this year. Try to get yourself Justin Fields or Trevor Lawrence, whoever hire a young offensive minded coach where players want to be around. Because, look, NFL players want to be around a team that's scoring a lot. I'd rather be around a team that's scoring a lot and giving up some points on the defense than being like the Bears, where you have a great defense that's going to waste, but you can't score any points. You know, in years past, watching the Bears and the Packers play at Lambeau is one of the best matchups that we can see all year long. The history, we've talked about that before between those two teams, but Lambeau in and of itself is an amazing stadium. It's unfortunate this year with COVID that we weren't able to see the fans. but Man, that game was hard to watch because it was so one-sided. It was a similar situation. The Packers did the same thing the Titans did to the Colts. Before it was even halftime, the game was sealed. And it's unfortunate for a rivalry such as that that we had to watch that Bad performance by Mitch Trubisky. Deion Jones has a hamstring injury. People believe that he's still going to be able to play. I don't know if he is. Glad I picked the Giants. I don't know if I'm going to be able to pick them going forward anymore. We'll we'll see. Dalvin Cook has an ankle injury. And during that, when he got hurt during the, the Panthers game, it looked pretty serious. I don't know the extent of that yet. He's a concern going forward because he was my MVP pick. I think that there's a different running back right now, Derrick Henry, that has taken over that helm. Oh, is that so? No, that's specifically just running back. I'm not saying that he's going to win MVP because I think there's some other players. We'll save it for next week. But I think as far as running backs, Derrick Henry has taken over the lead. Some other news, Will Fuller, Bradley Roby, Texans, PED users. I don't know if you saw uh, Will Fuller's Instagram post, but let me tell you what, fans are not sympathizing to him a lot of people are like, you're throwing your doctor under the bus of of not knowing what you were supposed to take. Let me tell you something. Taylor Wan said this best when he got busted last year. The player's ultimately responsible for what they're putting in their body. Exactly. And I know it's a he said, she said, Will Fuller said, the doctor said, it. it's not on the list, it's good. Before I put anything in my body because of how the NFL is, I'm going to get two or three okays, confirmed sources like, hey, this is okay to take, or I'm going to ask other players, you're taking too much of a gamble by going off of an unknown and seeing if it's going to pay off. Ultimately, it's not. He's going to miss six games, the five remaining this year, and he's going to miss week one of next season yeah. and his contracts up this year. Look, the Texans need to sign him. He's the best wide receiver on that team. You can't and, let him go. Yeah. Especially since you gave up formally your best wide receiver for a bag of wet peanuts. So you need Will Fuller next year and it's going to be a new regimen. Bill O'Brien is no longer the general manager or the head coach. So I'm yeah. curious. I mean, we'll see. We'll see if Romeo cannell mm-hmm. remains uh interim head coach and then gets promoted. But the fortunate and positive thing, I guess, of this is the Texans are not in the playoff hunt. Now, technically they're four and seven, and they're not out of it yet, but they're out of it, especially now losing your best cornerback and your best wide receiver. Deshaun Watson cannot catch a break to save his life. He's the most unfortunate, unlucky dude in the NFL. And he's a star, and it's it's being wasted. Being wasted. And the last and final NFL news that we want to discuss about is the Steelers and Ravens situation. Well, well, well. How the turntables. You know what's funny? Last week, Dan and I talked about this. On our very podcast, we told the Steelers, Eric Ebron, Juju, others, you need to be slow to speak because... The season wasn't over. We didn't expect it to turn it this this you know us to be right now. This isn't. We don't want to be right about anything as far as COVID and people getting affected. We're not talking about that. We're talking about a lot of players and organizations are quick to point fingers. And in this in this situation, Eric Ebron and Juju and others, Chase Claypool, they're looking stupid right now. Mm-hmm. And the thing is with that, what players need to understand and fans in general, I know it can be frustrating when you have a game like. Pittsburgh and Baltimore that was supposed to be played last Thursday then it got moved to Sunday, then to Monday, then to Tuesday. And then Wednesday is that the NFL has done a good job at adjusting to COVID because we have yet to cancel a game this season of all the major sports in this country. It is the only one that has yet to cancel any game. And that's a testament to, to what they have in place. But they also were the the organization or league that had the most time to prepare for this. It, and I yeah. feel like on the other side of this, it's exposed their lack of preparation when it came to this. Well, I mean, yeah, because look at the situation with the 49ers. Luckily, they have really good division friends in the Arizona Cardinals that are allowing them to play in Glendale. But that situation could have been avoided. What happens... If they weren't able to play in Arizona. Now the 49ers are without a home. That's something that could have been done at, at the beginning of the season. Well, that's not the NFL's fault. That's the state of California. No, I'm saying, but no, that, well, that doesn't matter because in a situation before the season started, when they were going through their COVID protocols and the what if scenarios, did it not cross their mind that? a city, a county, or a state could say, no, a team can't play here. What would a, the plan be, have been in that situation? That's what the league should have had an answer for. But let's look at this at a, as a glass half full situation. No games have been canceled yet. That is the last thing that it, the league wants to do. But players like Chase Claypool, Jujun, and Eric Ebron, you shouldn't have been quick to jump on Twitter because now your team has COVID. And unfortunately there's an outbreak in Baltimore. We'll talk about Denver's situation a little bit. Look, the Ravens aren't the only team getting screwed here. The Cowboys are getting screwed as well because the Ravens and Cowboys were supposed to play Thursday night. And we say Thursday night because Dan and I are recording this on a Tuesday because Thursday when this episode comes out, we'll actually be out of town As of right now, the Steelers and Ravens have not played. It's a Wednesday night game. Normally, we would talk about it. A Wednesday afternoon game. Yeah. Normally, we would talk about it, but because we're going to be out of town on Thursday, we have to record this early. But the Cowboys are getting screwed as well. The Broncos got screwed. And people can say, well, you know, it's the Broncos' fault. It is the Broncos' fault. The quarterback should have been wearing masks. They should have been doing their protocols, all that thing. Can I address that real quick with the Broncos' situation? Because I know that... Fans have been upset. Why did the 49ers have to play a couple of weeks ago? Why is Pittsburgh and Baltimore being moved around, but Denver had to end up playing the Saints? Well, it's because it's two different situations. Baltimore and Pittsburgh both have an outbreak of COVID on their rosters. It's the same reason why Tennessee and Buffalo in week four or week five, they had to play on a Tuesday. In Denver, that situation is different. Is because it was isolated. The cases in Denver was isolated around the quarterbacks. The NFL said before the season began that we are not going to cater to teams that are s- stupid simply for not protecting their position groups. We talked about Tennessee. They have a designated survivor for quarterback. Their practice squad quarterback practice is separate from the team throughout the week so if this situation was to happen they learn that from the mistake they had in week five let's find a designated survivor and for them i believe it's deshaun kaiser he is their designated quarterback in case this was to happen denver didn't have that all of their quarterbacks were exposed Oh, and then vic vangio threw his quarterbacks on the bus he was like he basically just called them stupid and incompetent and they they brought it upon themselves and they're selfish. You're also the head coach. Mm-hmm. I understand you're not supposed to baby these players. Like, they have to have responsibility on themselves too. But I think you need to take ownership of that as well because if all your quarterbacks are not following protocol, they're the leaders of the team. But you're the leader of the entire team. Like, top to bottom as far as coaches, players, everything. But as we stated last week, NFL players need to stop throwing this blame Stop yelling it and tweeting and all this stuff about how teams are making it unfair. The Steelers are getting screwed. You guys had an outbreak yourself. So week 12 games that we missed Dan and I definitely missed the Raiders game. We talk about teams have bad losses. There's usually at least one bad loss. I think for the Raiders, this is their one bad loss for the year. Yeah. And, and I've praised Matt Ryan and what he's been able to do this year. If, if they had a winning team in Atlanta, he'd be in the MVP conversation. Raiders looked real bad. Honestly, it's concerning because they're a team that can play at the highest of levels. They beat Kansas City almost the second time. But then you travel to Atlanta and put up six points. It's very concerning. Another one. I picked the Jags. They barely lost to the Browns. Went for two. Missed it. Missed on the Rams. I really wanted to pick the 49ers last week, but I was like, no, the Rams are not going to let me down. They end up doing that. Cowboys. We both picked the Cowboys. Boy, were we wrong. I don't, I don't blame us for picking them. I blame John Fossil, the special teams coordinator. What on God's green earth are you thinking? Going for it on fourth down. You're only down by four. You know, they lost by more than just special teams. No. It, it, the ball, when that play happened, it was all downhill from there. You were only losing by four at that point. Why would you need to go for it by with a fake punt? Inside your own 30-yard line. But what if they had converted it? That's a different story. They didn't need to risk it is what I'm saying. Why are you making such a risk when you're down by four? That's, that's a touchdown right there. This isn't a situation where they're in the last two minutes of the game. It was all downhill from there. I blame John Fossil for that. I think that the Washington football team is going to win to the division. I said that last week. That defense is so fun to watch. It's a young defense. They have a fantastic head coach in Ron Rivera. I still believe that the Washington football team will win that division. But to go back on the Raiders and the Falcons game, I mean, it's really hard to win a game when you have 11 penalties for 141 yards. You have five turnovers. You're three for 12 on third down. I mean, they did, and they were zero for two in red zone attempts. So Everything that could possibly go wrong in that game went wrong for the Raiders. Not only was the offense bad, but the defense was bad that you allow the Falcons to put up 43 points. One game that I'm really happy that I called right was the, the Patriots and Cardinals game. I said last week it's a trap game for them. Yeah, well, I mean, sh- how many times have we seen in New England it come down to a 50-yard field goal? Who cares? They to won. To, I, well, I know. That was a hit or miss. If he misses like any game, no, to come down to the wire like that. Minnesota, Carolina, I anticipate that. Well, I didn't think that even with the two defensive touchdowns, 49ers Rams, there's a lot of games this week that came down to the final play. Yes, but I still think that the Falcons are a better team than the Patriots. The Patriots aren't going to the playoffs. The AFC, why can't, is, why can't they? the AFC t- is too good. It doesn't matter. They're only two games back and there's five weeks left. Anything can happen. I'm not saying they are. I'm not picking them. But we can't count them out. They're going to Los Angeles this week to play the Chargers. Well, we can't count them out because, I mean, they're still mathematically that's what I'm able saying to make the playoffs. I'm not I'm counting them saying. out until they are for sure eliminated because of the craziness of the AFC and how teams are playing. I mean, it's good football to watch but I don't, I don't see that the Patriots making the playoffs. It's unfortunate that I lost that bet. Now the Cardinals are on the receiving end of losing a close game, like a couple of weeks ago when they played the Bills. The thing is with the Cardinals, though, they are one DeAndre Hopkins hell Mary away from losing three in a row. Mm-hmm. So the Cardinals overrated. Are we pumping them up too much? Are we hyping them up too much? I think so. You have to beat teams like New England. You have to. Cam Newton didn't even have a over 100 yards passing. We're going to talk well, about the games in a little bit. I'm going to do a player spotlight, so we'll get that in a little bit. But another game that I'm, I'm really frustrated about. I'm so freaking pissed. I'm frustrated about that Eagles game last night. That Eagles game last night set me off. I was going to be 4 of 6 for my sports bets this week. If you had followed us on social media, you would have seen Dan Andrews. Dana was 4 of 6 this week. Let's go. Last night, I would have been four for six if the freaking Eagles did not throw up a pointless Hail Mary and go for two from a pointless position in the game. There are so many people that lost that bad bet last night, and it's frustrating. Dan and I talked about it earlier. Look, I'm okay if a team needs to go for it. For instance, the Cardinals and the Bills game. That Hail Mary, that was needed. That Hail Mary won the game. This Hail Mary and this two-point conversion did not even win them the game. That's why I'm frustrated at this bad bet. (laughs) Doug Peterson just sticking it in the eye of all the betters out there. Now I went three for six. I'll take 50% because most of the time, if not all the time, if you go 50%, you didn't lose anything. But going four for six, like Daniel did this week, that's something that uh, any sports better would be proud of, especially since that is not my forte. Daniel's still learning the sports betting scene. Yeah, some of the figures, uh, just it's confusing to me, but I'm happy for uh, essentially my first time really on my own to get four out of six. I'll take that. So if anyone needs any help, I got gotcha. you. Beginner's luck, but we, we, we want to get into sports betting. We'll have a segment for that later. That was frustrating. I was freaking pissed last night. Let's focus on some player spotlights this week. There's some couple players within the league that I want to talk about. Actually, one college football player. Now, we asked you on Instagram if you wanted to hear more about college football. Some of you want to hear it. Some of you want it to be special segments, want it to be in the episodes. Let us know. We love college football here. But we only want to talk about it if that's something that you guys want us to be getting you engaged with. Yeah, and if you want to let us know now, just reach out on social media with Instagram or Twitter at podcast But let's talk about a college player right now, Jarrett Patterson. Plays for Buffalo, running back, 36 carries, four hundred nine rushing yards, eight touchdowns. Now, this was against Kent State. I'm sorry, eight touchdowns? Eight touchdowns. Tied the NCAA record for a single game. Now, Kent State was 3-0 entering this game. They weren't a slouch team. Now, they're not the best team in the country. But any 3-0 team, you can't take them lightly. Last week with Patterson, though, they played Bowling Green. He had 31 carries for 304 yards and four touchdowns. This kid is special. Now look, he went to Buffalo, or he goes to Buffalo. Guess who else in the NFL went to Buffalo? Different position. Give you a hint, they play defense, one of the best in the league. Aaron Donald. No, he went to Pitt. Khalil Mack. Buffalo kid, Buffalo product. He might be a Khalil Mack on the offensive side of the ball. Some other players I want to spotlight. Rookie Antonio Gibson. They played the Cowboys this past Thursday, Thanksgiving football, 115 yards, three touchdowns. Not only did he have a great game, he almost torched my fantasy. The good thing is I had Will Fuller. The other guy I was playing had Antonio Gibson, so they pretty much canceled each other out. But speaking of Will Fuller, 171 yards, six receptions, two touchdowns. Latavius Murray, backup running back for the New Orleans Saints. Now, that game was against Denver, 124 yards, two touchdowns. I love seeing backups get some some production. Jarvis Landry finally had a big game this year, 143 yards, one touchdown. Maybe he's going to start to bloom. I mean, the Browns are eight and three right now. If they can get Jarvis Landry going, being him getting him consistent offensively, I think the Browns can be competitive. Look, you got to beat teams like the Jags. You got to blow them out because eventually you're going to play good teams like Tennessee this weekend. And if you can only beat crappy teams by little. How are you going to be good teams? Speaking of fantasy, I played a guy who had Derrick Henry and Tyreek Hill. That's 90 points between the two of them. There was no way I was going to win that fantasy, even on my best day for two players to have 90 points. You know, and the thing is, uh, I'll, I'll, well, now that we're talking about Derrick Henry, he had 27 carries, 178 yards, three touchdowns. Honestly, he would be player of the week right now. If it wasn't for Tyreek Hill, because Tyreek had 269 yards on 13 catches, three touchdowns. Patrick Mahomes threw for over 460 yards. Do you think that maybe Derrick Henry could be a player of the week simply because I'm thinking it must be more difficult as a running back to get 178 yards against the number one defense in the league Yeah, versus a wide receiver who is he is known as Cheetah running down the field as fast as, I mean, that's all he does is verticals with the best quarterback in the league right now, I think the situation is different. It's easy to run down the field as far as you can, as fast as you can, and get 70 yards when you have Patrick Mahomes throwing you the football, versus Derrick Henry, who is the only running back to put up more than 100 yards rushing against the Colts defense in the past three years. He's done it three times, and he's the only one to do it. I have to look at the context of that. Here's a hot take. Dan and I were hanging out with a couple of our guy friends the other night. And I said, Tyreek Hill is not a top five wide receiver in the NFL. When I'm looking at a wide receiver, I'm looking at someone who's well-rounded. Tyreek Hill has not shown me that he can do anything except run fast and do a vertical route like Daniel talked about. Show me that you can be versatile. You can be quick. Because look, DK Metcalf last night looked like a pretty good wide receiver all around. But as Daniel talked about previous episodes... Yeah, Old Miss had A.J. Brown and D.K. Metcalf. But look what they're doing in the NFL now. Both of them are high-quality, high-producing wide receivers. They are the future of the NFL. Speaking of another wide receiver, though, Debo Samuel, he's finally back in action. Praise the Lord, because he's been sitting on my fantasy bench for the longest time. 11 receptions, 133 yards. Did you play him, though? I did. Okay. I had to, you, you have to play Debo Samuel when he's available and he's healthy. You play him. He produced some tight ends. I want to focus on Evan Ingram and Gronk. Evan Ingram had 129 yards. Gronk had one Oh six. Where's Evan Ingram been this entire year? Dropping, dropping passes, dropping balls. That's for sure. When he was coming out of college, he was a high sought after tight end and he's been very disappointing since Gronk was back to his old Patriot form, running the vertical route. Tom Brady just throwing some nice old dimes in there. But speaking of Patriots, I want to highlight their defense. They held Arizona to an under total of 300 yards. Kyler Murray had a combined 201 yards in this game. Patriot defense needs to get shouted out. Now, I did pick them. I didn't think that they were going to hold Kyler Murray like they did. This is why I don't want to count them out until they're actually statistically eliminated from the playoffs because who knows what's going to happen. I think, well, even I'm not foolish, foolish enough to do that. I'm just saying the chances of them getting to the playoffs. They're slim. I understand slim. that. But Cam Newton is loving where he is. He's He's got a different mojo about him. I look forward to see how he continues to play the remaining of the year. But, you know, what's interesting, <laughs> I would not have thought this at the beginning of the year. Don't you find it interesting that Cam has adjusted better to New England than Tom has to Tampa Bay? Well, I mean, honestly, as stummer as Bill Belichick is, I'd rather play for him than Bruce Arians. Any day of the week, I'd rather play. I'm I'm not talking about just statistically because of a Super Bowl winning coach. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about just as a person. I feel like Bruce Arians is just he's not a person I want to hang out with outside of outside of football. Bill Belichick is probably the same way too, but at least if I have some dirty laundry, I can count on him to keep his mouth shut. Where Bruce Arians, he's going to air it out there yeah. in that Tampa Bay sun. I just don't like how Bruce Arians carries himself. Now, Dane and I were talking a couple of weeks ago. We were talking about some matchups and some games that, you know, that's happened the past couple of weeks or two and why divisions seem to be so uneven. And it got us thinking the NFL needs to do a division realignment. You know, most of the time leagues do this because are a couple of reasons. One, a new team is introduced or, you know, it's better for geographical reasons. Why we want to do it is because we want to create a stir in the NFL. Now, I get people want there to keep the rivalries, but let's be honest. They have been flat the past couple of seasons. Ten seasons ago, they were fierce. I don't think that's the case anymore. The Bears, the Packers, they're no longer fierce. Steelers, Ravens, eh, they've, they've gotten a little soft. 49ers and Rams, you know, I feel like I'm just watching a good game. I want to create some stir within divisions. So I asked Dana, I posed him the question. I said, I want you to create a list of your divisions, how you would realign them, and I'm going to give mine as well. Because right now we have the AFC and the NFC divisions, which is north, south, east, and west. We're going to mix them up differently. Because some of these divisions make zero sense. I mean zero. Why are the Cowboys in the same division as the Giants? Why is Kansas City in the same division as Los Angeles? Let's start out with the AFC South, though. Now, before we get into the teams, I'm going to update every division record. And that at the end, when we finalize it on my side, I'm going to give you what the division records would be if those current teams are in that division. For the AFC South, though, the combined record right now is 20 and 24. So just four games below 500. The team that's hurting them right now is the Jaguars. They only have one win. My four teams would be the Saints, the Jaguars, the Buccaneers, and the Dolphins. You have all three Florida teams there, and then you have Louisiana, which is somewhat close near the Panhandle. I think geographically, all four of those make the absolute sense, and they are the South. So you need to pick teams that are in the South. I kind of went on a similar path as you, but before I tell you my AFC South, I split mine into two segments the eastern part of the country, and the western part of the country. I have never understood why this league has not segregated the league into an east and west. Basketball does it. Hockey does it. I'm thinking with the amount of travel, especially in a COVID year, we should really minimize the amount of travel. You have teams that are on the west coast like the Rams, having to do longer trips to the East because their conference is also on the East coast. Why not put 16 teams on the West and 16 teams on the East to minimize the travel teams often talk about the toll that travel has, especially in short weeks and the impact of having to go crisscross over the country. I think it would be beneficial if we segregated into an East and West. But for my AFC South, similar to yours, but I have the Dolphins, the Buccaneers, the Jaguars, and the Falcons as my AFC South team. And we're not just saying this because, as Daniel mentioned, it being a COVID year. We think that this just makes the most sense going forward. Mm -hmm. Minimize the travel. Create some stir within divisions. Create some competition. And by stirring divisions, the next division I want to talk about, NFC South. Right now, their record is 24 and 22. Not too bad. The four teams that I would pick are the Texans, Cowboys, Falcons, and Titans. Now, the Texans and the Cowboys, they're a rock skip jumping away from each other. Why not put them in the same division? Why are we playing this, like, opposite conference and stuff? Just put them there. My NFC South is similar to yours. I think you and I just switched the Falcons and the Saints. So my NFC South, the Titans the Cowboys, the Texans and the saints. I'm thinking that is a freaking good division, especially with the Titans and the saints, but the Cowboys always draw a massive audience across the country. And even though we're not Cowboys fans, the chances of us playing a primetime game just went up the roof. <laughs> I think any team one, I think any team would want the Cowboys in there for two reasons. One Based on how they're playing right now, it's pretty much a guaranteed win. But like Dano alluded to, it's a great point. When you play the Cowboys, your chances of going on prime time have almost doubled, if not tripled. She'd be happy to be playing in a division with them. Now the AFC North, their current record is 26-16-1, due in large part that the Steelers are 10-0. Now I actually have them staying in this division. Steelers, Patriots, Giants, and Eagles. I think it'd be top-heavy, though. I think you'd have the Steelers and and Patriots dominating it. But you continue to keep that rivalry with the Giants and the Eagles, and then the Patriots and Steelers have shown that they've had really good rivalries in the past. So my AFC North team would be the Bills, the Steelers, Baltimore, and the Giants. The Steelers and the Ravens have built a good rivalry over the past 20 years. I wouldn't want to change that. Well, I think that if you take them out of the, you know, keep them separate divisions. I think you would make that rivalry even more exciting when they only play each other every couple years or every other year. I'm also looking at the geographics of this. In proximity to each other, those four teams make the most sense. And they're my AFC North teams. Now, the NFC North I pro- probably right now is the only division in the NFL that actually makes sense. You have the Lions, Chicago Bears, Packers, and Vikings. They're geographically the closest four teams. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's also my NFC North. So, But I didn't want to keep it the same because I think it's a little boring. The teams that I would actually move away, I would actually replace the Bears with the Bills. Vikings, Packers, Lions, and Bills. I have the NFC North just the same. Vikings, Packers, Bears, and Lions. Geographically, like you said, they're close to each other. Like I said a couple weeks ago when we had Jonathan on the podcast, it is my favorite division in the league, and I don't want to break that up. Now, they're also the only division right now that has an even record. They're 22-22 and 22 as a division. Next division, AFC West. Now, this is, a little, this is a little tough because the problem is when you go a little west of Denver, or actually west of, of Kansas City, you have a ton of teams that are spread out. But I would go with the Cardinals, Raiders, Chargers, and 49ers. And the reason why I'm not putting the Chargers and the Rams in the same division is because you can't. They share a stadium, and it's not fair to the teams because it would guarantee them an extra quote unquote home game because what it would be an away game would actually be in the same stadium. So, geographically or scheduling wise, it would not be fair, which is why the Giants and the Jets don't play in the same division. Same with the Chargers and the Rams right now. So, I would keep them separate just out of fairness. Okay, for my AFC West, I have Indianapolis, Cleveland, Cincinnati, and Carolina. I think that'd be a snooze fest division. Well, <laughs> at this point, it's a snooze fest, but they're also young teams. Yes. Other than, I mean, Indianapolis, they have old man Rivers, but defensively, it's a young team. I think in the next couple of years, we could see them really succeeding. At this moment, maybe a snooze fest, but it's anyone for the taking at that point. There's no clear winner in that division. So right now, I believe that most NFL fans would agree that the NFC West is the best division in football. I don't think many would dispute that. With my division realignment, it would actually remain that way. Listen to my division. Rams, Seahawks, Broncos, and Chiefs. Let me see a Patrick Mahomes versus a Russell Wilson any day of the week. Sign me up. I'm the front row seat. Give me some popcorn. That division would be absolutely loaded. I felt bad for the Broncos, though. I don't think they would be able to compete, especially with the roster they have now. In my NFC West, I've really only changed one team, and that is adding the Raiders and removing the Cardinals. So my NFC West would be the Seahawks the 49ers, the Rams, and the Raiders. On paper, they have th- four really good quarterbacks, and that would be a very tough division. Even if you remove the Cardinals and replace them with Vegas, that would still be a great division, and that's my NFC West team. And Honestly, I think that would be a division to ask which fan base is the best. Imagine the Raiders back in Oakland. Seahawks, 49ers, Raiders. Give me their fan bases. Let me see a match between them. Yeah, I originally was going to put L.A. and L.A. together because rivalry of L.A. But you made a good point earlier. Whether you're playing home or away, that's, I mean, that's an advantage that no other team would have. So. Yeah, it's one less one less week of travel. Mm-hmm. That's why when you get teams like both New York teams and both L.A. teams when they play every four years together, it's great for whoever the away team is because it doesn't count as a home game. So they still get to get eight home games, really a ninth. And they only have to play seven games that are away from the stadium. That's why it's an advantage for them. The AFC East right now, their record is 20 and 24. My teams would be the Panthers, Bengals, Browns, and bears. I think on paper that we could easily overlook this because the only team with a winning record right now in that division would be the Browns at eight and three. But like Daniel alluded to again, Panthers, Bengals, are both a young team. They're up and coming. And then the Bears, defensively, we've talked about it. They're fine. It's the offense that we're worried about. But I think if Bears bring in some healthy pieces, that they can be competitive again. Now, my AFC East team are the Patriots, the Jets, the Eagles, and the Washington football team, which is the first in my divisional realignments that we have two teams from the old system two AFC teams to NFC teams. But both of them have long histories with each other, the Patriots and the jets and the Eagles and the Washington football team. But I like the potential for a new rivalry in this AFC East. Now the last division, the NFC East saved the worst for last because right now they're 14, 28 and one they're 14 games below 500. That's awful. The teams would be the Washington football team, Ravens, Colts, and the last team would be the Jets. Now, I wanted to play this earlier when we were doing NFL News, talking about head coaches being fired. You know what Adam Gase is better than anybody else in the league at? Losing football games? That's true, but I think he's the best coach at giving New York the possibility of landing Trevor Lawrence. I don't want to get back into all coaches, you know, getting fired and stuff, but I I do want to ask you this, Daniel. What is Adam Gase's favorite song? First off, how does someone figure that out? I, it's Okay. Um, New York, New York? No, oh. it's this. Adam Gase is uh, going to continue to be there. It's his favorite song, right? Uh, He's staying alive. Unfortunately, they're 0-11 right now. And honestly, even with the division realignment, let me tell you, they would be, they they would they would make the Washington football team look like one of the best teams in the NFL. The NFC East would remain to be the worst. Eh, I wouldn't say the worst all around. What is your NFC East? Well, first I have to thank you for playing the BGs Gees because I love the BGs. It's a great song. The last division. Okay. So you have to forgive me for a moment. I was looking at the map and I thought, what was I thinking? I originally had my NFC South as the Titans the Texans, the Saints and the Cowboys. Well, that doesn't make any sense. That is my NFC East. My NFC South would be Kansas City, Denver, the Chargers and the Cardinals. <laughs> Three so, of those teams aren't even really the South. Well, well, you have to work with what you got. Like, you know, geographically, someone is going to be the on man out. Well, Kansas City and Denver, you guys are the odd man well, at out. At least mine makes sense. But the Chargers, the Chargers and the Cardinals are South, but I have to have a team that's in the East, and it makes no sense to have the Chargers a part of the NFC East. Remember, I'm I've split the country in two. So I have my NFC South as the Chiefs, the Broncos, the Chargers, and the Cardinals. And well, that would be a fun division. I mean, unfortunately, Drew Locke isn't very good. But having Mahomes, Herbert, and Murray in that division, ooh, heck yeah, I'll take that. It'd be a good one. But if we updated our new teams and switched them around, the best division after all this adjustment, it would still be the NFC West. They would have a 29 and 15 record. And the NFC East would still be the worst at a seven and twenty-six record. But I think just, you know, having a little fun and it'd be interesting. We do believe that the NFL should consider realigning the NFL. They just have to at some point. You got to make travel a little safer for players because in case that something else happens like COVID, whether you believe it or not, they can't continue to be able to do this, making it sustainable going forward. I think they need to make it safer, require less travel for teams, and it's just fun. Plus, like you said earlier, some teams just don't make sense in their division. Why, is, why are the Colts in the AFC South? Why are the Cowboys in the NFC East? That makes no sense. Or even the Kansas City Chiefs are the West. They're literally in the smack dab middle of the country. Yeah. So, well, imagine, or just I mean, even get rid of the North, South, East, and West crap. Remember the Rams used to be in St. Louis in the NFC West. Like, I don't understand that at all. Yeah. At least be like hockey and just do Western, Central, Eastern, things like that. Which is what I've done. Metropolitan. Yeah. Like split, what you were saying, but I was trying to be country. a little more traditional with it. Interesting rivalries that could be created out of this realignment are the Texans and Cowboys, Patriots, Steelers, Bills, and Packers. I think that'd be a great rivalry. Chiefs, Seahawks, and Ravens and Colts. Those right there, those five matchups, I would love to be able to see those games twice a year with those teams. As I said earlier, rivalries right now are a little flat. They need a little spark. And another thing that plays into this, the NFL ratings right now are dipping. How do you create some... You know, let me ask you this: Then it's like if you have a problem and and things are not working out like you want them to do, what do you do? You got to spice it up a little you, bit. You change it up. The NFL needs to make some changes to draw some viewers in. You got to go bam, like Emerald, Emerald Lagasse. You got to stir it up, stir the pot, create some controversy, create some stir. I hope you guys like that segment. Division realignment. All right, now our last segment is going to be our pick six gamely picks. Now, if you follow us on social media. We posted this exclusively on social media now this week. This week we're going to give you our pick six Gamely picks. Now, this is not going to be every week. We love talking about the matchups, but we want to give you guys an incentive to follow us on social media. So for our pick six game of the picks, Daniel, give me yours right now and give me your lock. So who are your what are your six in total and then what is your pick that is a lock out of those six? We'll start out with your first one. Okay, my first one that the Raiders will not only outright win, but it's a lock. The Jets, as I've said for weeks and weeks, they're not going to win one single game this year. I believe that to be true. Chucky is not going to allow his Raiders to lose to the worst team in the league, especially after the performance they had last week where they didn't even score one touchdown against the Falcons defense. I have the Raiders winning this week against the Jets. Now, since he is a 11 and a half point underdog against the Dolphins, I don't think that the Dolphins are going to beat Cincinnati by more than 12 points. I think Cincinnati has it figured out offensively. I don't think the Dolphins have enough offensive firepower because due to injuries and the fact that Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to be playing from you know at least a couple more games. I don't see Cincinnati losing by that, that spread. So I'm going to go with the plus. 11 and a half for Cincinnati. My second, and then I believe to be a lock this week, are the Seahawks over the Giants. The Giants could potentially be without Danny Jones. Even with him, I still think that the Seahawks will win. They actually didn't beat the Eagles by as many points as I thought they'd be, as I thought they would, even though it was minus six. I think Russell Wilson will absolutely beat the Giants this week, especially if Danny Jones is not playing under center. I'm going with the Bills' money line here. I think think with the defense of both Buffalo and San Francisco, I don't know how close this game is going to be. I don't know if it's going to be a blowout or if it's going to be about a point or two. That's why I'm just going strictly with the money line with the Buffalo Bills. Next one, New England and Los Angeles Chargers. I'm actually going to go with the under on this one. I think that New England is going to play some fierce defense. They're going to get to Justin Herbert a little bit, even though Justin Herbert, he has the highest passer rating when under pressure. The over under is set at 47. I'm going with the under my next matchup is Kansas city over Denver. Kansas city is a minus 14. Now Denver will have their starting quarterback drew lock back this week. He has tested negative for COVID and he is allowed to return to practice and the team facilities as of Wednesday. So even with Drew Locke, I still believe that Kansas City with that offense and the firepower behind it, they will cover those two touchdowns. I've got Kansas City over Denver. I'm taking the minus 14 with Kansas City as well. They just score too many points and Denver can't score at all. I think it's going to be an easy one. It's not my lock, but I would be pretty confident in that one. I also have Green Bay over Philadelphia. If you saw that game Monday night against the Seahawks, Philadelphia, bless you, because this this team is not the same team that went to the Super Bowl. Carson Wentz, I think your time in Philly is running out rather quickly. I've got Green Bay over Philly. Green Bay's a minus 9.5, and, and I'll easily take that. Now, Indianapolis and Houston are playing this week. Originally, I was going to go with the over, and this is a tough one for me, because the fact that Will is not playing anymore it's suspended, it, I had the over in it. But because... The number one cornerback, number one wide receiver is out. I don't know what this game is going to consist of, but actually I just convinced myself again. I'm still going with the over. 53 and a 53.5 a half. Of it is set. This game might be a game where, where Indianapolis doesn't know how to play Houston and then Deshaun Watson just has an incredible game. I'm still going to stick with the over despite all the reasoning to go the under. I actually have the under for this game, even though Indianapolis is missing some key pieces on their defense. They still are one of the best defense in the league. I don't see them allowing the same thing that happened last week against the division rival, the Titans. Houston, you're missing your best wide receiver, one of the best in the league right now, actually. I have the under for Indy and Houston, 51 and a half. I'll take the under. You know what? I switch it. I'm going to go with the under as well. I can't do it. I got to go with my gut. Uh, The gut says under. Now, the last matchup, this is going to be my lock. I'm going with Detroit plus five and a half. I'll tell you why. I've said it many times on this podcast. When coaches get fired, teams play different. Teams this year are 2-0 and oh when their head coach gets fired. And if you're betting, this is a lock. Go with the Lions being a plus five and a half. It's a lock. They're going to win. I don't even care who they play, which who being the the Bears. So I even felt even more confident. But go with Detroit here. My last one is Cleveland and Tennessee. I'm going to take the over, which is at 54. Last year when they played each other first week, it was an offense showdown. I think the same. You have the best running back duo with Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb. Baker Mayfield at this point, you're just a game manager. Versus the best running back in the league, Derrick Henry. Uh, Yes. And Derrick Henry has shown uh, when he is playing away, he is absolutely unstoppable. I'm going to take the over, also take Derrick Henry. Remember last week, Andrew, when we were talking about game picks, I said two words, Derrick Henry. and He proved me right this past week when he tore it up over the Colts defense. I'm going to say the same this week. Derrick Henry, it is your show, your time to shine. I've got at 54 the over in the Cleveland-Tennessee game. Now last week I won 11-4 on picks there was only 15 games because the Steelers and Ravens haven't played yet. Remember, that's going to be on Wednesday night. Rumor has it we won't see them until next year. So that would put my overall record at 115-16-1. That's a 65.63 percentage. I'll take it. So last week I went 10-5. and five. Unfortunately, I should have zigged when I should have zagged. I feel foolish for picking the Buccaneers. Tom Brady, I, I don't, don't know really- why you did. I told I- you that Patrick Mahomes said he was the captain now. Well, he showed that. He's absolutely the captain of that ship in Tampa. And Tom Brady, God, you just the only thing that you're good for is garbage time points in my fantasy. You scored me some great garbage time points in my fantasy. But, I mean, let's keep in mind they only lost by field goal. So it wasn't yeah, but like that game was... It wasn't a... I mean, statistically... Yes. You know, that's it, it, a different situation. But you can clearly tell that Kansas City controlled the game the entire time. Yes. Even though the stats sheet didn't show it. But again, I was... 10 and 5 last week, which puts me at 56 and 29 so far. That's a 0.6588 percentage, which makes me a little better than the Rams, but not as good as the Browns. So, again, if you guys want to know about our week 13 matchups and our game picks, please follow us on social media at PodcastPigskin. Reminder by the time you hear this, the Steelers and Ravens will have played. Fingers crossed. I still think that the Steelers are going to win. I had them winning, but they're definitely going to win now. They don't have Lamar Jackson in Baltimore. Yeah, we both have the Steelers winning regardless, even if all the Ravens were healthy. Reminder, there is no Thursday night football because Ravens and Cowboys has now been moved to Tuesday. Now we get Sunday, Monday, Tuesday night football again. I mean... Let's glass half full. I mean, yeah. COVID has allowing us to have Tuesday games. Like I'll, I'll take that. Yeah, and then a Wednesday night game. Hopefully, the the Steelers and Ravens happen. The only two teams that are on bye this week are Tampa Bay and Carolina. But other than that, you have anything else, to add, Daniel? I just hope that Tampa Bay uses their bye week wisely because you've got to fix some things while you're gone. Yeah, I mean, and this is the latest uh, bye week that anybody can have, so I think it's perfect timing for Tampa. That is it for this episode. Thank you for tuning to the Pigskin Podcast. We'll see you next Thursday. Much love. Thanks for listening this week on the Pigskin Podcast. Subscribe to the pod on iTunes and Spotify so you'll never miss a show. Also, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Podcast Pigskin. If you want to stay engaged throughout the week, give us a follow. We want to hear from our listeners. Give us a breakdown. Signing off.